Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, hi, everyone. I've got an update for you on our plans to regather, and I'm going to get right to it because I have several things I want to share, and I don't want you to miss them. Weekend services will regather again June 13th and 14th. We're going to come back with all five services, two on Saturday, three on Sunday morning. Rockbrook for Kids will be at their regular four services. That's Saturday at five and the three services on Sunday. And I'm excited to regather our church together. You know, the vision back in March was that we would support our community by voluntarily pausing all gatherings. This was done in efforts to flatten the curve, so to not overrun the medical system, uh, equipment, and hospitals. And now our state and local authorities are communicating that they have the data and the margin, and the equipment in place to move forward. So, we are going to move forward. Now, that doesn't mean this virus has gone away, so we're going to do a few things to create a little bit of an open air and low-touch environment. Things like spreading the chairs out in the worship center a bit more, and not shaking hands. We're not going to offer the coffee area or dream team food for a while. And I would also ask if you or your household have had any exposure or symptoms or are immune compromised that you would please stay home and watch online because we're going to be live streaming the 1015 service each week on YouTube Live and Facebook Live so you can experience the service from home. It will live stream at 1015 and then archive after that for on-demand viewing. Now, as you know, our church is much more than a weekend service. So here's an update on some other gatherings. Small groups are going to begin meeting on or after June 6th, based on whatever day you meet. Small group leaders are free to decide what they want to do. If you want to meet online, meet in person, or hey, maybe a mixture of both, where some of you gather together and video in others. You can think outside the box and connect over the summer. We would love for you to let us know if your group is going to be meeting in any shape or form throughout the summer semester. And you can do that by texting the word GROUP to 816-281-0808. Pastor Tom is going to be sending out an email to leaders with a link as well. Our big focus for the summer is getting groups meeting again, encouraging one another, sharing scripture, praying, and it's going to culminate in our summer serve day, Saturday, July 18th, where our church, driven by our small groups, do projects of serving around our community. You'll hear more about that later, uh, but that's small groups. Hey, what about Growth Track? Well, Growth Track is going to continue to be online throughout the month of June. Sunday afternoons, and we're going to offer a Thursday evening option as well. If you'd like to sign up for that, uh, you can text the word GROW to 816-281-0808. The plan right now is to begin in-person growth track again in July. 
What about student service? That's going to be hosted June 14th. That's a Sunday. Doors open at 6.30. The event begins at 7. And Celebrate Recovery is going to resume gatherings Wednesday, June 10th. Now, I know that's a lot of information I just threw at you, but I want to give you one more thing as a pastor to you. And that is, as we begin to regather, if you're feeling any pressure to come to a service in person, to gather with others, to serve, that pressure did not come from me. Didn't come from Rockbrook. Please be freed from that pressure. In this season, we can adapt our approach, and it's not my intention to persuade you or anyone to be somewhere they don't want to be or to do something they don't want to do. So I just ask that you prayerfully consider and let God lead you and bring peace to your decisions. I look forward to our June 13th and 14th services, both in person and online. And I thank you for your prayers. I'm praying for you. Please continue to pray for me. Pray for the staff and their families. They have a huge selfless heart for you. I'm grateful to serve with them. Hey, but what about next week, June 6th and 7th? Well, next week, rather than a pre-recorded service, we're going to be live streaming our service at 5 on Saturday and Sunday at 10.15. Then that video will archive after that. Rockbrook, I love you. Uh, It's been an honor to be your pastor throughout all of this. And Uh, We're working hard to update all this information online and all of our other channels, Uh, but I'm praying for you and we're going to get through this. Well, alrighty, the first week of this series, we burned some plows and then last week we dug some ditches and today we're going to grab some jars and I'm praying that this message would build your faith, especially if you feel low on faith right now. If you find yourself today on empty and maybe you feel like there's just too much in one area of life or the other, it's my prayer that God would use the Bible today to minister to you in a deep and life-changing way. And I don't know how you feel today. I was talking with a friend this week where he was just sharing and I was in agreement. He says, you know, it seems like so many people around me, their faith has been growing in this time. And They've even been doing new fun things. They've been baking new things, doing projects, discovering new things about themselves, about God. And he says, I feel like I'm just drained from this and that my faith has been depleted. He says, I'm looking for something to to fill my faith again. And I agree, and maybe you agree. I've actually talked with several people who, man, their faith has been taking a hit. And so I want to dive into our text and just let God fill us up a little bit again today. And we're going to start with two verses that just set the context and then we'll go further into the accounts of Elisha. In 2 Kings 4, 1 through 2, this is how it begins. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revealed the Lord. He revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. 
Now, let's talk about these two verses because there's actually a lot going on here and a lot to them. The first thing you'll notice is we don't know this poor widow's name. We don't know who she is. Now, according to some Jewish tradition, many believe that she was the wife of the prophet Obadiah. And if this was the case, then it would be no wonder she was in financial need because Obadiah was known for protecting and providing for 50 other prophets. So if indeed she was Obadiah's wife, he would have taken uh, all the resources he had, it would have taken all his resources to meet the needs of the prophets. It would not be uncommon at all for a prophet's family to be financially struggling because they would spend the majority of their lives on the run, trying to survive. It was very difficult to make ends meet. So if you can picture this, uh, we've got a a new widow. We're going to guess somewhere maybe in her 30s. Uh, She's just lost her husband. She's got no chance at meaningful employment because in this culture, women were unemployable unless they would take the job that no woman would ever want to take. And because you may be watching with young kids around, uh, I'll leave it at that and you can kind of fill in the rest. So she's in a very devastating place. She's lost her husband and now the creditor is coming after her two sons because the law said, if you can't pay your debts, they can take your sons as slaves. And they will be slaves until they're released in the year of Jubilee. It doesn't get any worse than this. Humanly speaking, she has no hope whatsoever. She's lost her husband. She can't pay her bills. Now she's going to lose her two sons. It doesn't get worse. And that's something that I always try to remember when I'm facing life's smaller problems. It's amazing how riled up I can get about things that are just not that big a deal. And yet it happens all the time. We get worked up. Yeah, we, I'll drag you into this too. We get worked up about entry level problems all the time. Having to wait in line, having to wait for a product, having to wait for an update or news. We get worked up about losing stuff. We get worked up about not getting our way all kinds of entry-level problems. And the reality is many of us today don't have entry-level problems. We've got some graduate-level problems going on right now in our life. Maybe you're experiencing a graduate-level problem where your marriage is barely hanging on and you don't know how you're going to make it. Someone that you love just betrayed you and lied to you and what you thought you had, you don't even you don't even know what that is anymore. You've, maybe you've got a child that may be going the wrong way and you see that if they go down that road, you're gonna end up in a place that you never wanted to be and you're in agony because you're watching someone you love make decisions that are going to hurt them. Some of you, you may be in a financial situation where you don't know how you're gonna get it out of it. You're in financial agony and there is such stress and you feel strangled. Others of you, it may be a health issue. You went to the doctor or someone you love did. And if there's not a miracle from God, you don't know what's going to happen. And maybe you're going to experience the very thing that you wished would have never happened. And you've got a big problem. And I want to say, if you're in significant need today, 
I want to give you the key thought for this message that I believe God could drive into our spirits and build our faith. So if you're taking notes, write this down. I hope it blesses you as it blesses me. And that is when you don't have what you really want, God is what you really need. When you don't have what you really want, God is what you really need. So let's unpack this story and see how this came true for this widow that Elisha is serving. And let's let this come to life for us. This woman expresses her need to the prophet. And what does the prophet do? Uh, He simply makes himself available to help. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? (laughs) That's amazing. Don't look past this. Do you want to make a difference with your life? Do you want to be filled with joy? This is how you do it. You make yourself available to God and you make yourself available to people who are hurting. Then he says something that's very profound. He respects her dignity and he says, tell me, tell me what you have in your house. What do you have in your house? In other words, he doesn't say, oh, okay, well, I'm here with all the answers and I'm here with everything in my house and I'm here with everything in my life. No, in other words, he he says, let's start with what you have and let God meet your needs there with what you have. And she replies, well, your servant has nothing at all. Now, isn't it interesting that when you're hurting and when you're lacking, all you can see is what you don't have and you miss the blessings that you do have. This is going to speak to somebody because when we get down, when we get depressed, when we're hurting, when our faith is low, we're just consumed with what we do not have. I don't have enough money, so I can never be happy. I don't have a spouse, so I can't live a meaningful life right now. I've heard people say, my house isn't, isn't nice enough to uh, host a small group because everybody knows the Spirit of God cannot move unless it moves on top of granite kitchen countertops, right? I mean, the, seriously, these are the things we think. We think, I, I don't have this or that, so what does it matter? I don't have this or that, so I can't make a difference. I don't have this or that, so my faith cannot be stronger. This is the classic, well, I just have nothing to wear, as you're staring at a closet full of clothes. And this is exactly where this woman was. She's lost everything, and all she could see was her lack. And Elisha asks the question, well, let's actually focus on what you do have. So I ask the question, what do you do when you don't have much? Here's what you do. If you're taking notes, write this down. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have, what God has given you because you have something to work with. It may not be what you want, but it's something. Verse two, again, he says, what do you have in your house? She says, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, but say this word with me. Come on, say it out loud. Wherever you are, say the word, except. I've got nothing at all except a small jar of olive oil. Well, I don't have anything. Except there's this one thing. Stop waiting for what you want. 
start working with what you have. You may say, well, what, go- what good is a small jar of olive oil? Well, olive oil was incredibly valuable because it was very rare and it had a ton of important uses. Oil was used in cooking. That's a good thing. It was used to help lamps burn. That's a good thing. It was used as moisturizer because you couldn't go to Bath and Body Works and get something to squirt on your face. It was used to help keep leather pliable. It was used to keep iron from rusting. It was used as an offering to God. It was used to anoint people in religious services. It was very valuable but so she, doesn't, she didn't have a lot of what was valuable. She had very little. But I'm so thankful, hello, that God uses little in a big way. We serve a God who specializes in doing a lot with a little. Jesus fed 5,000 with a little. God conquered a giant with a little shepherd Boy, Jesus said, if you have just a little bit of faith that he can do much. And Elisha says, what do you have in your house? I love that question. What do you have? God asked Moses one time, Moses, what do you have in your hand? Notice God did not say, Moses, what do you want? Or what do you need to be able to do the job? He says, what do you have? Let's stop waiting for what we want and start working with what God has already given us. I don't know how this will speak to you, but I believe it will. Because some of you, you're going to look at what you have and say, well, I wish I had something else to be able to do something more significant. And God's going to say, no, no, no. Stop waiting for what you want and start making the most of what he's already given you. The second thought we learn from this amazing account is this, that we're going to offer God what we have and trust him to give us what we need. Fill those blanks in your notes. We're going to offer to God what we have and trust him to give us what we need. In this passage, chapter 4 and verse 3, it says this. Let's just look at the rest of this account. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, She said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Wow, wow. Now this is a ridiculous request. This is a ridiculous request to ask her to empty out everything she has, to take the one little thing she has and then empty it out. Now look what happens. Uh, She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. What's happening here? She is trusting God to provide what she really needed, because that's how our God works. When we show him our faith, we get to see his faithfulness. And I don't know how this will specifically speak to you. But at some point, when you take what you have and you stop waiting for what you want, but you offer what you have to God, God does something special. 
I've seen it time and time again. God blesses the person who does not wait to make an offering. They don't wait until they're wealthy to be generous. They, they give an offering of time, an offering of their gifting, of who they are, an offering of money. And he said, go get a bunch of jars. Just go get a bunch of jars. Notice he doesn't say what size. He didn't say what color. He didn't say what shape. What did he say? The only requirement for the jars was what? That they be empty. It could have been any kind of jar. Could have been a milk jug. Could have been a peanut butter jar. Could have been a butter tub. Because God can use any shape, any size, any color. He just needs it to be empty. He just needs to be, it to be usable for his purpose. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 speaks powerfully to this. In the New Testament, it says, but we have this treasure in what? In jars of clay. What's that speaking to? What's it referring to? Do you know what those jars of clay are? Those are our bodies. We are clay pots. We're dirt houses. That's what we are. We have this treasure in jars of clay. What is God looking for? God is looking for a few empty jars because God blesses those who let go of the most. And when we empty ourselves of self, when we empty ourselves of pride, when we empty ourselves of greed, when we empty ourselves of our own agenda and come to God totally, completely empty, then he fills us with oil, which has always been a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly you realize that when you don't have outwardly what you wanted, that God is who you truly needed in the first place. And suddenly he is enough. He is sufficient in every single way. You see, when you are weak, God is your strength. When you are hurting, God is our comforter. When you're lost, he's our guide. He's your guide. When you're hungry, he is the bread of life which nourishes you. When you are Thirsty, he is living water. When your life is unstable, he is the rock that does not move. When suddenly you discover that I didn't have what I wanted, but God's what I really needed anyway, something happens to your life, something amazing. And someone is listening today who you are, you're empty and you're lacking but you're going to look to him and he's going to become everything you need. And you're going to see that emptiness, not as a problem, but now as an opportunity for God to fill you with all of who he is. Stop waiting for what you want and start looking for what you have. Offer to God what you have and trust that he will give you and become exactly what you need. Because when you don't have what you really want, that's when you discover that God's what you really needed anyway. Heavenly Father, I just invite you to speak to us today. Pour out your spirit and build our faith. We pray that you would just change us with your presence. Maybe you're listening and you're just completely overwhelmed or on empty. I believe that God wants to reveal himself to you in a deeper and more intimate way than maybe you've ever known him before. And those of you that would say, I do need prayer today. I've got a burden. I've got a challenge. I am hurting. I am empty. I would just invite you. I would invite everyone listening to this. Would you just take a posture of surrender or receiving 
Just seriously, just wherever you are right now, make some kind of move. Open your hands in front of you, lift them up or get on your knees. And just say, God, you know my need. You know the details of my life. And God, I thank you that you are good, that you are here, that you are with me. And God, that when we look to you, you may not give us what we thought we wanted. But God, you can work with whatever we offer to you. Just say to God, invite him. Say, God, be my comforter, my strength, the lifter of my head, my provider. As you keep praying today, I just want you to pay careful attention right now because the imagery in this story, uh, it matters to every single one of us. I want you to think about this widow, her story. It's your story. Her story is my story. She had a debt that was impossible for her to repay. And all of us have a debt that we simply cannot repay. The Bible calls it a sin debt. And all of us, we've sinned against a holy God. And we don't have the spiritual equity to make it right. There's nothing we could do to make it right. That's why the gospel is what every person on earth needs to experience. The gospel means good news. That while we were still sinners, God sent Jesus, the sinless son of God, who was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, gave his life on the cross, became sin for us, died and rose again on the third day so that anyone who calls on his name would be saved. So what do we do today? We just empty our life, give it over to him. Say, God, I give you my failures, my fears, my hurts. I confess my sin to you. I empty myself of me. God, less of me, more of you. And you pray, Jesus, forgive me, change me, make me new. I believe you died for me and that you rose again so I could live and live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for new life. My life is not my own. I give it to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.